I did not know they were singing that. Um, I'm preaching a message, it's time to seek the Lord, uh, out of Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. That's fun when God does that. Um, so let's go there. Uh, Hosea chapter 10. Um, Hosea is uh, not real small, 14 chapters. Uh, if uh, you have an idea where Daniel is, you can go there, and it's the book right after it. Um, so I guess Psalms is kind of toward the middle of your Bible, and then uh, just a little bit further to the back. It's not one of those tiny ones like Obadiah that you can turn two pages and miss it. Uh, but it is, it is smaller, Hosea. Um, boy, uh, Brother Goss uh, was, was kind of talking about uh, the, the, the trials that, that come into our lives and God tries to get our attention and, and uh, um, boy, sometimes uh, we, we come face to face with a decision and uh, sometimes we, we, I just, I don't want to do the right thing. Um, and other times some will say, I'm, I'm ready. I'm tired of my way. I want to do the right thing. I'm ready to do what God wants. Here, um, there's a plea from Almighty God to his beloved Israel. And by extension, to, to everybody. To uh, constantly be coming back to a place of sensitivity to what God wants in our hearts. Here in uh, so Hosea, um, uh, we'll read verses 9 through 12. Uh, Hosea 10, 9 through 12. O Israel. So Hosea 10, verse 9. O Israel, thou hast sinned. You can hear the pleading in the voice of the Lord. Uh, thou hast sinned from the days of Gibeah. There they stood, the battle of Gibeah. Um, referring back to some of the uh, awful things, Judges 19, 20, and 21. They stood against the children of iniquity, did not overtake them. It is in my desire that I should chastise them. And the people shall be gathered against them when they shall bind themselves in their two furrows. And Ephraim is as an heifer that is taught and loveth to tread out the corn. Uh, a heifer, a young cow that is taught. Uh, Ephraim, you know better. You were taught. Uh, you know what I want. You've enjoyed the blessings of being my chosen people. But somewhere along the line, you wanted only the blessings. And not to honor the one from whom all blessings flow. But I passed over upon her fair neck. I will make Ephraim to ride and Judah shall plow and Jacob shall break his clods. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Hosea, what a book. Uh, you can kind of see Hosea in, in two parts, uh, chapters one through three. There's tragedy in Hosea's home life. 
And then chapters 4 through 14, there was tragedy in Hosea's homeland. The tragedy in in Hosea's home life uh, married, um, there was an unfaithful woman. He was married to a, a picture of how awful it was for the Lord to be wed to unfaithful Israel. How aggravating, but oh, the long-suffering of God. It reminds us, uh, James 4.4, 4, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Uh, the Bible warns us, if you belong to God, don't be in love with this world. He considers that spiritual adultery. Uh, So there was tragedy in Hosea's home life, but a picture of the tragedy in Hosea's homeland, Israel, was in love with the world around it instead of its first love being Almighty God. And how awful it is when we are the same way, when we have a loving God and yet we're unfaithful to that unloving or to that loving God. There was tragedy in Hosea's homeland. Uh, chapters 4 through 7 we see Israel was a polluted people. Chapters 8 through 10 Israel was a punished people. But eventually in Hosea 11 through 14 they would be a pardoned people and Much of this is looking forward even to prophecy that hasn't even yet been fulfilled in our lives yet. But make no mistake, the prophecy in God's word will be fulfilled. Our text is toward the end of chapters 8 through 10, this punished people. And at the end of this, these chapters on Israel being punished, of course there's a plea. It doesn't have to be this way. This is not how I intended it to be. If you'd only turn back to where you should be. You don't have to be that punished people. I long for better things for you. Chapter 9 speaks of tragic consequences. Chapter 10, where our text is, speaks of terrible conditions. In there, verses 1 through through 2 in this chapter, there was a detestable religion and and we'll look at a little bit at that verses three through six departed rulers verses seven through eight deserted ruins verses nine through twelve our text desired repentance and then verses 13 through 15 a dreadful reward but we see that boy there's desired repentance you've heard me say this before that That some people think God is is a cruel God up in heaven, looking for someone down here to mess up so he can smack them. And that is not our God. For one thing, down here, most everybody is living uh, a a sinful life, forgetting that there's a loving God in heaven. He's looking, boy, I'm longing to find someone to do what's right so I can bless them. That's our God. And here in our text today, he says, oh, I can't just pour out blessings because you want them. I'm a holy God and I'm a just God. I want you to be where I want you to be so that I can pour those blessings on your life. Here in Hosea 10, 12, we see our passage, sow to yourselves in righteousness. 
uh, like a farmer that has, has his bag of seed. He's going to reach down in that bag of seed and, and throw it out across the field. And what he throws out is what that he'll get back. And he says, oh, I'm longing for you to reach down and sow to yourselves in righteousness. And then you can expect a wonderful harvest. He says, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. Look for areas of your life that need to be tilled and and turned over and, and, and sow in those areas as well. And he says, for it is time to seek the Lord. Till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Here we see a twofold responsibility and then a twofold reason. The responsibility is sow to yourselves in righteousness and also break up your fallow ground. And the twofold reason, the Bible says, because it's time to seek the Lord. The time is now. It's time to seek the Lord. And also because the blessing is huge, looking for that righteousness to rain down in our lives. So once again, it's fun. The ladies sang, Seek the Lord while he may be found. The the title for today, it's time to seek the Lord. Isn't that fun? God did that. He put those together. Let's pray. Lord, I do pray that you'd be with uh, uh, this look into your word. Please speak to our hearts. We need you, O God. Lord, much like Israel, Israel was, they were excited about the blessings, but they had grown tired of honoring the one from whom all blessings flow. And Lord, We know that we're guilty of the same thing far too often. We enjoy the the bounty in our lives from you and then forget to honor you from whom all that bounty flows. Help us, O God, to honor you. Awaken our hearts to our need of you and please soften. Help us, Lord, to identify those areas of our lives, the soil of our heart, that needs to be broken and plowed and turned over, Lord, so that righteousness can be sown in those areas and we can enjoy the harvest of mercy and your righteousness can rain down. Lord, turn our thoughts and attentions to yourself today. Speak uh, through me today and speak to me as well. Meet with us and may we go from this place a, a different people. I ask these things in Christ's name, amen. So our twofold responsibility, so to yourselves in righteousness, there is a profitable investment. We all like to invest, and in fact, we invest in something. And to sow to yourselves in righteousness, that's a profitable investment. And it will produce a promised Interest, He says, if you'll sow in righteousness, you'll reap in mercy. That profitable investment will lead to that promised interest. Uh, that profitable investment. I'm, I'm putting something out, hoping for a good return. 
Now, uh, we like to invest, don't we? We think about our retirement someday. Uh, probably you men, I don't know if you ladies do this as much, but us men will get on the, 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 the computer sometimes and, and look for an investment calculator. If I put this much in per year and I can average this kind of a return, when can I, be, when can I expect to be a gazillionaire? <laughs> And we'll, we'll, we'll sit there with the, hmm, we'll play with this number and switch this and, and maybe this, this interest rate and, and, and all the power of, of, of that compounding interest. And, and, and so then sometimes we'll, we'll hey, I want to find a financial investor. Uh, I'm sorry, a financial advise, advisor. Someone that can tell me, they can help me. Uh, and then we're looking for two things really, right? Somebody that I can trust, <laughs> That's not going to take me for a ride. Say, um, if I give this money, will there be a return? Yes, but for me, not you. Someone I can trust and someone that knows what they're doing, right? Not just somebody that wants my best, but there's this weird scheme. They, they found out there's a pyramid scheme, and yes, I think if you give me your cash right now, there can be this amazing return by the end of next week. You should, <laughs> and money signs over our eyeballs. Boy, we like that financial advisor, one that truly is interested in in a good return for me and that knows what they're talking about. Both of those things are pretty important. And here, the greatest of all advisors comes to give you some advice. And his return goes not just through the end of this life, but on into eternity. Oh, the the financial advisor of Almighty God. In investing in spiritual lasting things, no one knows better than Almighty God, and he gives us his advice right here. We like like it. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 20, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Here we have a similar Old Testament passage that reminds us, sow to yourselves in righteousness and reap in mercy. It's far better than laying up treasures for yourselves down on this earth. What does it mean to sow in righteousness? How can I uh, look to this profitable investment? To sow in righteousness is to act upon the promises and commands of God because it is right to do. We believe the promises of God. We simply do what's right. We come to church. We, we listen. Uh, we, we write things down. If God lays something, Lord, that's important to you. Really, it is something we do. But more than something we do, it's someone we please. It's coming to church. Later on in the verse it says, it's time to seek the Lord. And hopefully that's why you're here today. God, I want to find out what's important to you. And then I want to make that important to me. That's what it means to sow in righteousness. A life that's patterned after what's important to God. I'm here today because Lord... I want to know what matters to you and build my life around those things. That's what it means 
to sow to yourselves in righteousness. And then he says, you can expect that return of mercy. What would the opposite be? Well, at the beginning of this chapter, if you're still there in Hosea chapter 10, uh, Israel was sowing to other things. It says in Hosea 10 verse 1, Israel is an empty vine. Now, first of all, you might think, well, so there's no fruit. There's no fruit. Israel is an empty vine. But then he says, he bringeth forth fruit. So which is it? Is Israel an empty vine or does he bring forth fruit? Well, the verse goes on. Israel is an empty vine. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself. He brings forth fruit that doesn't matter. And God considers that emptiness. Boy, sometimes we might say, boy, Lord, why, why, do, the, why do the unrighteous seem to prosper down here? There's so much fruit in their life. Oh, be careful. What kind of fruit is on that vine? God looks at a, at a, at a vine that has fruit on it, fruit that's aimed at it, one's self, uh, uh, the, the treasures that are laid up down here where moth and rust doth corrupt and where the thief does break through and steal. Israel's an empty vine. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself according to the multitude of his fruit. He hath increased the altars according to the goodness of his land and they have made goodly images. He pours uh, the, the wealth that God allows him to, to have into self and God considers that emptiness I remember when I was a I was young and and boy November is a magical time of year Thanksgiving is wonderful but but I just I love Thanksgiving food I love Thanksgiving food You, you, you take the time to gather everything together and make sure your plate is just perfect the right splash of all the necessary colors. And I, I hope you're not one of those people that the food is not allowed to touch. You have to have a big plate. That I, I, I have it all touching and just laid out perfectly. Cranberry sauce over there. Just the gravy over top of everything. And then one of them, one of the important parts is the pumpkin pie. I don't have that touching. It's off to the side. Lots of Cool Whip on the pumpkin pie. Now, when I was a kid, I thought, I love pumpkin pie and co-op. It is so wonderful. And so we had a, a, a pumpkin, one of those decorative carving pumpkins or whatever, and I thought, you know what? I love pumpkin pie. I'm going to take that carving pumpkin and get all the seeds out. I'm going to dry out those seeds, and I'm going to have my own pumpkin patch. And some of you are already laughing, but I had no idea why that doesn't make sense. So I dried out the seeds, and I, I did some study, and I, I got those seeds, and I went to the back, and I plowed up a little, I, I, I broke up the fallow ground in the backyard, and I planted those little pumpkin seeds, and, 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 and for, a, for a whole season, I had my pumpkin patch, and I was so excited, and nobody told me that that's not the type of pumpkin you use for a pumpkin pie. 
In my mind, I said, look at, look at my vine. Look at all those pumpkins. We're going to have to, we're going to have to tear down our fridge and build bigger <laughs> to have room for all the pumpkin pies that will soon be in my life. Oh, it's wonderful. And I remember talking to my neighbor across the street and, and they, they, they were more serious about gardening than I was. And I'm like, well, behind my house. And oh, what a, the dear lady looked at me with sorrow in her face. And, and she's like, oh, there are, are no pumpkin pies in your future as a result of your little garden. Boy, she broke the bad news to me. Even though I had all those pumpkins, there was an emptiness. There was nothing there. There there wasn't going to be any pumpkin pies. Boy, I had all sorts of good intentions, but nothing was... I'm sure I was ready for... I, I could cover our front steps with decorations, decorative pumpkins. I was ready for that, but that was not my goal. I was going to eat pumpkin pie until it came out my ears. Ugh. Israel's an empty vine. He bringeth forth fruit. Wait, 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 wait. How can he be empty and bringing forth fruit? Well, because he bringeth forth fruit unto himself, not honoring the one from whom all blessings flow. Um, boy, they were self-centered. It's all about me was their theme song. It's all about me. It's all about me. Does this remind us of today? Instead of living in gratefulness for all that he does for us, we we tend to be irritated that God would want what I have to be used for his glory. He thinks it's all about him. The nerve Oh, my friend, it is all about him. Another passage. So, so again, sowing to yourselves in mercy. Not what we see there in Hosea 10.1, but then the next verse. Look at Hosea 10.13. It says, Ye have plowed wickedness. Ye have reaped iniquity. Again, what you, when you reach in that bag, what you throw out determines what you're going to reap. Ye have eaten the fruit of lies. Boy, sin is deceitful. This world lies to us. And we like to be lied to. Uh, uh, I, again, uh, why does this world eat up the, the lie of, of uh, evolution? It likes that lie because at the end of the day it leaves me as the king of my life. We like to be lied to. This world gives its pleasant lies. And we fill up on those lies. The world promises that if I just do this, I'll be happy. And there is pleasure in sin, but just for a season. We, we fill up on those lies. We sow to ourselves in lies. But then we reap in iniquity. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because thou didst trust in thy way. God had his way. And we say, I don't like that. I'm going to listen to the lies of this way. Oh, and we reap in iniquity. Israel, over the years, had plowed wickedness and reaped a harvest of sin. They had partaken of the fruit of lies, the lies of the golden calves of Jeroboam, that those were their gods that would... 
that would help them. False gods and foolish goals. False gods and foolish goals. Those were the lies that they had consumed. We fill up on on the lies of our heart and of this world and of the devil. And then we act on those lies. We sow to ourselves in unrighteousness. And what can you expect? Back in Hosea 8, verse 7. It says, they have sown the wind. And they shall reap the whirlwind. By the way, you always get more than you sow, right? I was planting those little seeds and getting this vine and all these pumpkins. You always get back more than you sow. The power of the harvest. Oh, that can be a very frightening thing if you're sowing iniquity. But it can be a very wonderful thing if you're sowing to yourselves in righteousness. They have sown the wind and they shall reap the whirlwind. Bible tells us in Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. For if he soweth to his flesh, again, your, 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 your flesh says, this is what I want. And the Bible and the Holy Spirit and then the new spirit that God awakens in you and brings to life when you're saved. And that says, this is what God wants. And you say, forget what you want. This is what my flesh craves. And I feel like giving in to it today. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. The body down here, the flesh down here is saying, go this way. Give in to the cravings of your flesh. Those things that you know are not pleasing to God. Just give in to them. Oh, what you'll reap. And there's that pleasure for just a little bit. But in the end, the Bible promises that God never forgets. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. But this verse isn't just negative. It's also positive. If you sow to the Spirit, what does the Bible say? But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. What a blessing. It's wonderful. And part of the lies down here, the lies of the devil and the lies of our own heart and the lies of this world is that God doesn't see when you sow to righteousness. But can I tell you, he never misses it. When you sow to righteousness, you think, boy, I I feel like I do right and nothing comes of it. I feel like I do right and nothing comes of it. I feel like I do right. But be not deceived. God is not mocked. When you do right, He never, ever misses it. And he promises that we do reap what we sow. What a blessing. So there we saw, sow to yourselves. That's a profitable investment. And then there's a promised interest. He says we can expect to reap in mercy. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Oh, what a blessing. The mercy of God. That's 
That's an ROI that is everything. A return on investment. Oh, from sowing to ourselves in righteousness to enjoy the mercies of God and then even to get the privilege of being a channel of God's mercy to somebody else. That's a blessing, isn't it? When you get the chance, when God's mercy can flow through you and into the lives of people around you, oh, there's no greater life to reap in mercy. Oh, what joy. There's fruit. And it's not that, that empty fruit. It's fruit that, that abounds to the honor and glory of God. Not like we saw in chapter 10, verse 1. Oh, it's, we see the fruit of being a part of God bringing souls to himself. There in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9. This is part of the harvest that we reap. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. This is part of the, the reaping in mercy. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive of his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. That's the reaping. We get to be laborers together with God. We get to enjoy the mercy of our almighty God and we get to be channels of that mercy as he uses us to draw people to himself. An investment that we'll get to enjoy for all eternity when you enjoy the Lord Jesus with those people that he brought to himself using you to do it. What a blessing. And that's from sowing to yourselves in righteousness. And reaping in this mercy. We are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Part of the reaping is that fruit of the Spirit that Galatians 5 talks about. The love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. So that's the first one. Our, our responsibility to sow to ourselves in mercy. But secondly... Uh, we see it. there was a twofold responsibility to sow to yourselves in mercy. Secondly, it says, uh, break up your fallow ground. So we have prospects for improvement. Prospects for improvement. Break up your fallow ground. The fallow ground is ground that has already been plowed. It is potentially usable but it has lain dormant for so long that it is no longer good in its current condition. It needs some work before it's ready to be gardened or planted. It's usable, but not in its current condition. The top layer has become thick and crusty. <laughs> And sometimes there are believers sitting in churches around this world that areas of their lives have become thick and crusty. Well, the ground can get so hard that water, when it, when it hits that ground, doesn't sink in. It rolls off. Are there hearts, maybe even in this auditorium today, you know the Lord, but that heart of yours and 
Some area has become thick and crusty. The water of God's word hits that soil and instead of sinking in because it's, it's, it's been turned over and it's soft and it's been cultivated, the water hits it and runs off to the side. The water of God's word can no longer sink in. It needs to be broken up and God says, break up your fallow ground. Work that soil Well, I'm not going to go there, but if you're taking notes, you can jot it down. There in Matthew 13, it it talks about the different soils of of the heart of men, the the soil of the wayside, the the, the stony soil, the the thorny soil, and then there's the good soil. The goal is to get to that good soil that's been worked and turned and softened and cultivated how do we break up the fallow ground? Well, one thing, we, uh, we work the soil. We work the soil. And how do we do that? First of all, we get the rocks out. We get the rocks out. How many of you have, have said, well, let's, let's, let's work that area over there and you start to turn the soil over there or you take your rototiller and, you know, and you find a rock. Boy, and you want to turn off the rototiller so you don't damage it, or you, the teeth of your rototiller, you try to bend them back into place after going over those rocks, and you set that to the side, and that has to be dug out. There are some things in our life that might have to be dug out. Listen to this in Zechariah chapter 11, verses 11 through 12. But they refused to hearken and pulled away their shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear. Yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord God of hosts hath sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. They stopped their ears. They, they pulled their shoulder, shoulder back like our children when they're rebellious. When they pull their shoulder back and la, 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 la. <laughs> it said that they were doing the same thing to God. And what was the result? Therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. Get those rocks out. The Bible tells us that the word of God, letting God's word do its work. Jeremiah 23, 29, is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Let God's word do its work. Someone sent me this this morning, this quote. The word of God is the anvil upon which the opinions of men are dashed. Do you have that thick hide? It it comes in handy for some things, doesn't it? You've got that thick buffalo hide. Nothing affects you anymore. But there needs to be a softness when when it comes to God's word. America's problem is not a lack of information about God, but a willful rejection of the abundant information available. People today, if they go to church far too often desire pastors who are like them instead of pastors who will help them be like God. 
Get the rocks out. Then next, check that soil. And again, jot that down. Matthew 13, that would be a great uh, passage to study in, in checking that soil. But, but here we're thinking about the soil of your heart. Uh, serious farmers, the Bible says, sow to yourselves in righteousness. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. What's the condition of your heart? Serious farmers, they want to know the condition of their soil. So they get a soil sample and they'll take it to a lab. They want to ask the expert, tell me about my soil. The experts will tell them the pH levels, whether the soil is acidic or alkaline. The the expert will tell them the macronutrient levels, uh, how much nitrogen or phosphorus or potassium is in there. And then the expert will also tell them the, the secondary and micronutrient levels, the soil texture or the organic matter amount. Oh, the expert can tell you so much. A lot of people are like, eh, I'm not a serious farmer. I'll just guess. But if you're serious, you want to take a soil sample to the expert and say, tell me. And you know what we need? We need people who are serious about checking the soil of their heart. People who are serious about their walk with God and they want to know their condition of their heart enough to get it tested. To go ask the expert. Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test the soil. Test the soil. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way. Are there stones that need dug out? Any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Does God have our attention? I was reading 2 Samuel 14 this morning and, and Absalom, he had been banished. He, he, had, he had done evil and, and, uh, uh, and he came back into the land and he, he wanted an audience with his dad, Dave, King David. And, and King David wasn't giving him an audience. And so Absalom was trying to, Joab, he called for Joab. He, he, I, want, I want to find out from Joab if I can see my dad. And so he, he calls Joab and Joab doesn't come. And so he sends for Joab again and Joab doesn't come. And, and Absalom thinks, how do I get Joab's attention? And so there in 2 Samuel 14, it's kind of interesting. He tells his servants, hey, Joab has barley fields. Go set them on fire. And so the servants go and burn down Joab's barley fields. And Joab shows up and says, hey, what gives? You just burned down my... He's like, I kept asking you to come and you wouldn't. And here you are. Look at that. What does God have to burn down in your life to get your attention? He calls for you and you don't respond. He calls for you and you don't respond. What fields is he going to have to burn down before you come out and say, hey, like Brother Goss, why am I going through these trials? Because I'm trying to get your attention. And then just real quickly, the twofold reason. Because it's time to seek the Lord. Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou wilt not despise. 
We have someone to look for. It's time to seek the Lord. And we have something to long for. That righteousness to rain down upon us. It's time to seek the Lord. And he wants to be found of us. We heard a message on that just recently. Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 14. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart and I will be found of you, saith the Lord. It's time today, right now, A lot of us say, that sounds good. I'm going to get serious about that eventually. But the Bible says, no, no, no. If you you put it, there's always a reason to put it off. There in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 11, verse 4, it says, He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. Too many intend to seek the Lord at some point, but circumstances keep getting in the way. You ever know, have you ever noticed that life often gets in the way of living life? Life just gets in the way of living life. You have that, boy, I'm, I'm going re- I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do a fancy Bible reading schedule, but i got to wait till January 1st. So the rest of this year, I'm just going to psych myself up. Oh, I'm really looking forward to my walk with God starting January one. No, it's time. It's time. I don't think it was an accident that the lady sang that song. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Are you lost today? It's time to to know him. Are you saved today? It's time to seek him. Looking for righteousness to rain down. James 5, 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the, pa- the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. We look at Christ. We cannot help but see him in every part of the Bible. He is, after all, the reason for the broken spirit to be desired. He is the motivation for the service we would do. He is the prophet that we seek to gain in our ministry. He is the pattern that we wish to seek in our lives. He is everything. Somebody once said that sin can be described as devilish ingratitude. Devilish ingratitude. We know the truth, and yet we are not careful to share it with the unsaved. We claim to be his children, and yet we sin without conscience. We take the spear that pierced his side, and we just go on jabbing it. We don't want to live that pure life. Oh, Christian, do you need to repent of something today? We need revival. We need revival. Turn from whatever wicked way he laid on your heart today. He's worth it. We would all say he's worth it, but let's get serious about showing it. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We pray that you'd bless this time of 
invitation. Lord, work in hearts. Is there someone that doesn't know the Lord as Savior possibly here today? Oh God, draw their heart to you. May they come to you in salvation. Maybe they know things about you, but they they don't know the Lord Jesus as their own personal Lord and Savior. They aren't sure, 100% sure that if they were to die today, they would have a home in heaven. May that person walk the aisle or at least catch one of us and say, I need to know how I can be saved. But then, Lord, are there, are there Christians here? You've been trying to get a hold of them. Lord, and the question was asked, what, what fields does God have to burn down before he can get their attention? Lord, I pray that you just work in this time of invitation. We thank you for your goodness. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.